What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Real Build. I'm your host, Bill Ryman, your broker builder, and this is episode 163 of The Real Build, your Christmas episode, Christmas special. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to each and every one of you that listens to the show every week. Thank you. I love you all. And I'm going to give you a Christmas gift with my guests that I have on this show. And my guest this week was Steve Rosenberg. Steve Rosenberg is an entrepreneur, international airline pilot, business coach, speaker, author, educator, real estate investor. And yes, we are talking real estate. And why I wanted to have Steve on this show is because Steve has done 20 plus years of real estate investing. He brings a lot of experience, a lot of motivation, a lot of self-development content. This guy's a coach. He's doing awesome. He's a mentor to people. He is the real deal in the real estate space. He was an airline pilot that got laid off after 9-11 and after 9-11 and losing mon- a lot of money. It didn't stop Steve from chasing his next dream, which was real estate. He ended up owning one of the largest property management companies in all of Texas with a thousand properties in three major cities throughout Texas. Steve then grew that into one of the largest real estate investing firms with partners, sold businesses. He's done it all within the real estate business. And we got into so many different things like mindset, visualization, why do most real estate investors fail? Uh, communication and why communication has made him as successful as he has with real estate investing, how to get started with it. So many different topics you guys are going to want to listen, but we also touched on quite a few different things like when is it right to invest with the doom and gloom in the world right now? uh, You look at a headline and basically all you see is doom and gloom. Things are going to crash stock market's crashing, real estate's going to crash, building the housing market's going to crash. Should you jump into real estate? What should you jump into? Should you hold on to your cash right now and wait? We cover all these things. So you are going to want to listen. Obviously, I got to tell you guys too, you're driving with the kids. There are some curse words in this episode as well. So just giving you the heads up on that one. Uh, You know, so as you know, with my show, I don't filter people. I want my guests to be who they are. So just wanted to give you the heads up on that. But it's an awesome interview. One of my favorite interviews so far, uh, especially in the real estate investor space. I've had a lot of great people, but Steve kind of took it a different direction, especially with mindset, personal development, so on, added those touches to it. So you guys are going to love it. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to each and every one of you. Appreciate you, love you, and enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to The Real Build, the show that shows you exactly what you need to look for in construction and real estate. I am your host, Bill Ryman, your broker builder, and each week I will teach you exactly what you need to look for, whether you are buying, building, or selling a house. I interview top people throughout real estate and construction to give you a better perspective prior to making one of the biggest investments of your life. I will also discuss my personal experiences as a luxury builder and real estate broker and answer your questions about the process. With that being said, welcome to The Real Build. Steve Rosenberg, welcome to The Real Build. How are you doing today, man? 
I'm good, man. What's going on? Excited to have you on. Uh, obviously, you come from you do a lot of different things. You're into the real estate investment world, which I really wanted to get back into in the changing environment that we're going to and we're seeing today. There's a lot of people that kind of went your route into investing and so on. And I've I know a lot of them. I've spoke to a lot of them. Some of them are making some changes right now, dealing with the high interest rates and so on. But we'll get into that. But before we get into that, you have a hell of a background. So I want to find out, my audience wants to know, who is Steve Rosenberg? Yeah, thanks, man. I, I always, I tell people I'm like an onion. I just have layer after layer after, we call them callus, whatever you want to call it. But yeah, I've got a, I definitely have a different past. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. You know, my, my background is much, I would say much different, but maybe similar. Um, if that makes sense to a lot of people probably watching and listening and, you know, I never wanted to be in real estate. I never wanted to be a speaker or all the stuff that I do. I just wanted to have one job growing up and that was to be an airline pilot. I was a little kid. I grew up in Los Angeles and all I ever wanted to do was fly planes. I would look up in the sky. I would see the planes. I'm thinking, wow, you know, I, I lived in LA. So everything over was heading westbound was going over the water. And I remember thinking like, what do they do? Like, where do they go? Right. Just imagine as a little kid. I'm sure a lot of people always say people come up and say, I want to be, I wanted to be a pilot too. And so I, I followed that dream and I made it my passion. Um, and I focused all of my energy and attention at it. Uh, I was hired at 25 years old uh, at a major airline. I was the second youngest person hired at this particular company. And, you know, for all intents and purposes, when you get hired with an airline, you're, you're done. You're golden. You never leave. You get a seniority number. You're good. Uh, and that's what everybody told me. Everyone's like, man, you've got the job of a lifetime. You've got a, a job, a pension, retirement. You're flying all over the world. Best job on the planet. And that was true until a certain day in history. Uh, and that day was 9-11. Uh, 9-11 obviously changed a lot of lives out there, mine included, because two days after the towers fell is the day that I got delivered a furlough notice. And basically was told, hey, Steve, that safe and secure job that you thought you had, it was never safe and it was really never secure. And now you're going to be on the street with 50,000 other people. So good luck. So all of a sudden, when all you know how to do as a specialist of basically flying a metal tube around in the sky as an airline pilot, you're really not trained or skilled to do anything else. Because unless there's an airplane that needs a pilot, I'm kind of useless to the world. And that was a that was a very humbling experience. It was a very shocking thing. Obviously, 9-11 just hit. Three days later, I'm basically told that I'm out of a career. And, you know, other industries, we'll use real estate as an example. We know that this is coming. Like, you can see a trend. If you follow trends, you can see the trend of real estate, where it's coming and where it's going based mm -hmm. on history. This was 72 hours. And all of a sudden, we didn't know if this industry, if the airline industry was even going to exist, if people that are old enough remember 9-11. So all of a sudden, I'm sitting there going, what do I do with my life? Got to go home, tell my wife. I, I don't know what I could do. I, I, I can't even drive a truck. Like I went into the want ads and I'm not even qualified. So I, I had to start working the solution. As pilots, we're always taught, work the solution, work the solution. Don't focus on the problem. So I'm like, okay. I'm going to start working the solution. So I started going, what do people do that are successful? What, what do they do in the world? I started reading books and I realized that everyone that had some sort of wealth at some level in their life, it was tied to real estate. So, okay, that makes sense. I knew some pilots that owned rental properties. I knew nothing about it because I didn't want to do anything except be a pilot. So I started 
reading books. I had to go to that big building with books called a library. Most people don't go to them anymore. Uh, this is before YouTube and Facebook and all the other stuff. So I read a book a week. I read everything I could about the world of real estate and getting wealthy and understanding money and all that. And I started learning as much as I could. Uh, I felt that I was ready to go out in the world like any profession. I was educated. I had the tools. I had the drive. I was ready to go and conquer the world. I went out into the real estate world and I got my ass kicked. I got lied to. I got cheated. I got ripped off. It, this whole professional, ethical real estate investor was completely different than the ethical professional airline pilot that I had been accustomed to. So I realized the rules of the game were different in real estate than what they were. And look, I, I like anybody, I took my licks. I learned my lesson. I did not repeat mistakes that I made. And I started getting better. And I started getting, and I started focusing on, again, focus on the solution, not the problem. I can have a pity party and bitch and moan that people are lying to me and ripping me off. Or... I can figure it out and I can work the solution. So I started buying real estate. I started doing a lot of wholesaling at the time because I learned my skill set was not swinging a hammer. It was actually negotiating. And I took courses on NLP, master negotiating, all these things to get as good as I could because I learned communicators are the wealthiest people on the planet, not doers. Hmm. And and I and I started really focusing on that. I got very very good at wholesaling and flipping and negotiating. I did so well. I bought my first apartment complex with a business partner. Um, we had some we had some real estate assets. I we sold some stuff. We started buying a bunch of single family houses. Um, and just to give you some reference of time frame, this is like two thousand six, two thousand seven. Um, these were low income properties. And real estate, as as you and many of your, your guests probably know, it has a way of coming back like a wrecking ball mm. and cleaning your clock when you do not have the right business model. And it did that for us. Not in 2008, because 2008, we just had rental properties. And if you don't sell it, you don't lose money, right? So we were fine, but we had the wrong business model attached to our properties. So after having about 40 of these piece of crap properties, um, all of a sudden we realized why people don't own these properties uh, because you have to have a certain business model wrapped around it. And we had the wrong one, almost going bankrupt and thinking, okay, this is crazy. Like we know what to do. We owned apartments, but we are running the business incorrectly. We were trying to run it as a hands-off model. And that wasn't the way to mm. manage these types of properties. So, we sat down. Nobody wanted to manage them. We tried handing them off to management companies. Nobody would take them. They're like, F no, those are crappy houses. You'll go bankrupt faster with us than without us. So we sat down and said, okay, we're not the smartest guys in the world, but we're not the dumbest. We can figure this out. This is just system structure. Hey, kind of like what airlines do. Uh, my business partner, he's not an airline guy, but he's a, he's an IT guy. So we started creating a property management company for our sole preservation. That was it. After about six months of creating this management company and running it like a business, it started to stabilize. And our properties never actually made us a ton of money, but they were stable. But what happened was, is we had people approach us, other fellow investors in the Houston market that knew us. What did you guys do? Well, we started running it like a business. So then the next question was, could you manage our properties? And at first we're like, hell no, we don't want your problems. We barely figured out our own. Um, but then what we did is we went to a business coach and we said, look, we don't know if there's something here. We've got a market, there's a ability to scale and there's opportunity. What do you, what do you think? Do we have something here? 
So he says, come back in a week. So a week later, we come back and he says, hey, uh, yes, definitely a business here. You've got marketability, scalability, all the ingredients to have a successful, scalable model. You two are not the smartest guys on the planet and you'll be bankrupt in six months because you don't know how to run a business. So we hired this guy on the spot. Now we have a business coach. We don't know what we're doing, <laughs> but we do this March for seven years. And every week we went to this business coach and learned how to run a business, not to be the best property managers, but to be the best business owners. We scaled this business to over a thousand properties in seven years. We're the fastest growing property management company in Texas. We operated out of three major cities. 60% of our company was outsourced to virtual assistants in Mexico. I was speaking all over Australia, United States, Europe about how an airline pilot was systematizing their business to run without them through system structure checklists. And all of a sudden we started getting attention. We were actually looking to franchise it, but we had a venture capital company come along and, and basically we sold the venture capital. I became a vice president with them. They had 10,000 properties, started doing stuff with bigger pockets and all the other, you know, big names out there. Um, and then I, I, I kind of split off from them, did my time, so to speak with the VC. Uh, and now I, I kind of show people what I did, how, how we did it using the airline methodology and ideology behind checklists systems to do whatever you do, whether you own one property, you own a fund or syndication, you can make it run without you if you know how to do it properly. So that is my story. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I love it. There's a lot to unravel right there, too. I mean, you've done so much. And one thing that stuck out to me, too, let's start here. A lot of people think they can just jump right into invest real estate investing. It's, it's yeah. you know, you just buy a house and then I can, you know, renovate it a little bit, then flip it. They're not thinking in the numbers. They're not thinking about locations. They're not thinking about all these different things. And what I got, what I heard from you and what I respect too, is that you took the time to learn, you dove in, you had your mistakes. And a lot of the guys I've had on this that are in the same situation as you, uh, they all kind of got, you know, kicked in the balls and basically when they first yep. started and that's what picked them back up and helped them learn too. But one thing that stood out to me too, is you said communicators are the wealthiest people on the planet and how much communication and being able to communicate to people, especially in business, matters too. And that's why you've gotten to where you are too. So I want to go into that a little bit and sure. the importance of that, how you learned that, uh, what you did, because obviously you read a lot of books, you've had a lot of training through coaches, mentors, so on too. Um, why is communication important in your in your business in real estate investing? Well, I, what I've learned, and again, people can say I'm wrong and full of shit and that's fine. Um, but what I've learned is no matter what we do, whether we sell a gadget, a widget, product, service, or idea, we're selling it to people. At mm -hmm. some point, there's a person and there's a relationship with that yeah. person. People do business with who they like. If you can establish rapport with that person and at a, at a subconscious level, if you and I get along, you're going to go, you know what? I just like Steve. We just seem to click. Well, that's not by accident. When we're communicating, if I mean, we may have the same personality profile that we get along. We may have some common interests. But if I know that and I'm a good communicator and I'm constantly focused on this, that it's my job. And so as I start getting better at my craft and learning how to do these things, I'm focusing on being the best I could be and communicating with you. So if all of a sudden, you know, there's, there's, I use disc profile, there's different personality profiles. You can be a balloon, a giraffe, whatever the fuck you want to be, but there's different things, right? But if you and I get along, 
But all of a sudden I talk to someone else and they're an emotional person and I'm trying to do business with you. And I'm like, look, just sign the contract. Like it's, it, here's the numbers. And you're like, well, how are you going to take care of the flowers, Steve? Like I, I planted these flowers with the womb of my kid and this is what we need and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, this guy's driving me fucking crazy. Like just sign the contract. If I talk to you that way, we're not going to have rapport, which means we're not going to do business. But if, if I'm like, oh man, these are amazing flowers. I can see that. I feel that. I can, yeah. All of a sudden you're going, you know what? I like Steve. So my, my point is, is when you're talking about real estate, real estate is four walls and a roof. Mm. I know many, many people that have taken a great, fantastic slamming deal and they have run it right into the ground, myself included. It's not because of the four walls and the roof. It's because of the perception of the business model that they, or lack thereof, that they were going to do that. And did they communicate that with it? So the, the thing about if you own one property or you own 50 properties or a syndication or, or whatever you do, pizza shop, it's a business. You've got income. You've got expenses, you've got laws, rules, regulations. There are more people watching real estate investors in the government agencies than any other industry to see if you are running it like a business. Mm. Do you know the one person that doesn't treat it like a business? The person, the, the investor. And so they wonder why they fail. Why do they fail at this? And we'll, we'll, I, we can talk about that. But when it comes to communicating, having a business, the, the beautiful part about a business is that one word called leverage. If I can leverage you and a marketing person, salesperson, accounting, operations, I'm leveraging your time, your knowledge, your experience. I can leverage money. The only thing I cannot leverage is my time. So I can't build a $50 million business on my own. I have to have a team. The only way to have a team that believes in me, that gets up and says, I'm going to go fucking knock down some walls today because I believe in Steve and I believe in his vision. And I'm going to follow that guy because he's a leader because I established rapport with you. If I'm just like, do it because I said, well, that only goes so far. Mm -hmm. And so, and so I'm just circling back what, what you had asked. Mm -hmm. If I'm not a good communicator and I'm not communicating that vision to you as a leader, as a business owner, then I just have people working for a paycheck and all they're waiting is for $1 more and they're gone. I want people that work for me because they see my vision and I'm inspiring them, and I'm invested in them. And that's by communicating and rapport and establishing, you know, it, it goes more into being a business leader. I, I don't want to go into that, but it, does, that, does that make sense? Does that answer? Yeah, no, it does, because leadership obviously is important in every single business, too. And on top of what you said, just the initial communication with, you know, when you're buying a property, too, like the flower example, you know, people have an emotional attachment to everything i mean they especially a property sure. it's one of the biggest investments of their lives you know and they're they all have an emotional attachment so it's how you communicate things to them i mean i'm a real estate broker i sell real estate too as long along with building too and if i have somebody that's emotionally attached to their house and they list the house for a higher price than it should I have to figure out how to communicate to them that their house isn't worth as much as they're asking. And a lot of them will take, there's a lot of realtors out there that'll, you know, offend the person and piss them off. And then they'll end up, you know, on the street and looking for another listing. So it's all communication in every single business, even in the building business too. If I got to get a, I'm trying to, I'm going against another builder to get a client, my communication, selling them on our process, our team, our approach, everything that we do and how we're going to do it better without bashing my competition because that just looks bad. Yeah. 
uh, is the way to go. So, I mean, I love what you said there as far as that. One thing you said, and I really am curious too, and I and I know I sent you show notes. That, like I said, we always go off script on the show, so because um, this is a great conversation so far. You said what you talked about why most investors, real estate investors, fail, and I want to hear your opinion on that because you've been in the game a long time. Uh, you got a lot of experience yeah. on it, and there is a lot of people that listen to this that are trying to get into real estate investing or thinking about it, but they're scared too. I mean, that's one of the initial things is a lot of people are scared because they don't want to risk that money they have or their nest egg. But why do most people fail? Let's start there. That's a whole show in of itself. (laughs) Hey, look, first of all, let me just, let me just say that I have failed bigger than most people will ever succeed. I, I am not afraid of failing the the challenge is number one most people fail well uh, several reasons the first reason they fail is they don't have an end destination of where they're going right so imagine if we got again I'm, i i fly a boeing 777 aircraft right i fly all over the world after this podcast show this evening i'm heading to germany okay oh, so think about this think of you getting the airplane with me and i'm like hey bill thanks for being here today i'm not sure where we're gonna go we may go to hawaii we may go down to Rio, maybe London. Um, we may just hop over to Austin. I'm not really sure. I don't know how much fuel we have. I don't know how much time we've got. I have no idea what the weather is. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to get up in the air. We're just going to kind of wing it and figure it out. How comfortable would you be getting in that airplane with me? Probably not very comfortable. I've got no destination. I don't have it mapped out. If I come on and said, hey, Bill, we're going to Hawaii today. Flight time is 8.53. We're going to take a west heading over LA. We're going to get feet wet. We're going to cross into the Pacific. We're going to take the northern track. It's going to be some deviations. We're going to have some turbulence. We're going to land at 9.53 a.m. with 21,000 pounds of fuel. You're going to go, okay, fuck, this guy knows what he's doing. I feel warm and fuzzy about this guy. Think of the same thing in people's business. Again, we agreed that owning real estate is a business. Do they have a destination or are they just getting in their car and driving And they don't even know if they're going closer or further away from their destination. So going back to your question, I use that analogy because most people phone or driven in a car, I hope. But (laughs) the point is, is they don't know where they're going. They can't tell me what does it look like when they've completed their destination. Just because you bought a house, what does that mean? Why are you buying the house and what does it look like when it's done? Is this the piece of a bigger puzzle? And what date does this happen? You have a goal, right? If we're going to dinner and we're meeting at dinner at eight o'clock, I may go, okay, I got to get off at six. I got to be home by 620. I got to shower. I got to be on the road by 705 to meet Bill for dinner at eight o'clock. We're going to eat dinner. That's the goal. But in real estate, people don't have a goal. They go, I'm going to buy this house. And I say, why are you buying it? Oh, it's a good deal. Defining on to what terms, to what goal, a good deal to me could make you bankrupt or vice versa. And so they don't have a goal. And what happens is they let ego and they let pride get in the way of creating that goal. They think that because they quote unquote flip properties or, or wholesale or whatever, whatever stupid term is out there nowadays that defines them, but that's a strategy. What's the goal, the goal. And and here's the thing. And and I'll, I'll take this a little further. All the things that you do, all the things I do, right? Most people quit a job or leave a job and they go into real estate because they're running away from a life that they don't want, but they don't know what they're running to. So they're just running away and they're saying, I don't want this. I don't want that. I don't want to be tied down. 
But guess what they run back into? They run right back into the life they're running away from because that's their focus. Mm. And if they can't tell me what they're running to, they're going to have the same thing. Now, the strategy, meaning the tools that they use is flipping, wholesaling, burr, whatever, again, short term, whatever, whatever fancy flavor is this month. The, the challenge is, is they identify as the strategy. So if I want to dig a hole in the ground, I'm not a shovel. And that's what people say. I'm a shovel. I'm a rake. I wholesale. I flip. The shovel is the tool. The strategy is flipping to get you the hole in the ground. So they're, they're, I think they're misunderstanding what they're doing. They don't have a goal. They don't treat it like a business. They have no business plan. Like if we agree that, if we all agree that, yes, real estate is a business and owning a rental property is a business. I'll say, do you have a business plan? No. That's like me jumping in the airplane with no flight plan. Why is it okay for you to do that with your financial future, but it's not okay for me to do it with your life? So that's why people fail. And they use ego and they use pride to block that. I Look, I have no problem failing. I have failed. And one of the things that one of my mentors taught me, and I've been coached for 20 years, I said, what, what do I do to get better? He said, fail more. Yeah. I'm like, well, that, that sounds stupid. Like, it, you know, I'm like, that doesn't make sense. He goes, fail more fail often and get right back up every single time. I'm like, well, what else would you do? He's like, you'd be surprised what people do. He goes, they pout and they identify is, oh, poor me. And you know, people like to catastrophize their life. They like to, they like to, they, you know, nowadays in social media, also, they like to talk about poor me so I can get a thumbs up and an emoji. Nobody gives a shit. Nobody cares if you fail. If you don't care more than anyone else, you have to be like, you know what? Yeah, I failed. I don't care. I'm getting back up. People like to, they like to, they they want this emotional thing and they don't know what they're doing. So they're kind of sitting around like, I bought this property. Is this a good deal? Well, I don't know. It depends on your goal. Where are you going with it? So that was a long answer for your question. <laughs> no, I love it because it going on the failure thing too. I mean, there's a lot of people that are rooting for you to fail too. I mean, if you have that kind of oh. mind, you have that mindset or you have that in the back of the head, that should be what's picking you up. I mean, you know, how that many should be people- the drive. I, yeah, totally, man. Like, look, Russell Brunson says, if you haven't pissed off people by noon, you're not big enough. Yeah, I mean, look, you, you can you, look at Grant Cardone, right? You can say what you want about the guy, but people are talking about him. Yeah. So good, bad, or indifferent. You know, Hillary Clinton, half the people bought her book because they hated her, half loved her. She still sold 100% as a bestseller. Yeah. You know, so the, the thing is, is it, the biggest challenge people have is obscurity. Nobody knows who you are because nobody cares who you are. You know, you, you want to do a stupid TikTok or whatever you want to do. What are you doing to be better? Like, that's my question. What every day, look, I am a big believer. You and I talked before, right? It's early in the morning. We both got up, went to the gym, worked out. Now we're sitting ass in the seat doing the show with each other. If I don't go to the gym, nobody cares. If you don't go to the gym, nobody cares. If I don't make a decision every single day to be better, then I am making a decision to be worse. Every day, everyone listening and watching this show, we all have a decision. Are we going to be better than yesterday or are we going to be worse? It's a very simple decision. And if you don't make the answer, it's already made for you. You are worse. And the thing is, is there is somebody, like you said, there is somebody out there trying to put you in the dirt. And there is someone out there trying to take what you have. This is not a happy-go-lucky kumbaya world. I Look, I tell business, I coach business all the time. I tell people every time when I'm in a room, you better be careful if I'm coaching your competition because I will do everything I can to step on your throat and put you out of business because that is the world we live in. That's reality. Like, I, I just say it. 
People are like, oh, this is going to be great. We're going to have this whole... No, that's bullshit. I'm here to win. And if you're not here to win, you're here to lose. Yeah, That's my story. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it, man. This is awesome because I I agree. I couldn't agree with you. Uh, I mean, 100%, 1,000%, I agree with you. It's just it's life's not easy and everybody wants it to be easy. And I mean, the comfort comforts a killer. That's the thing. And a lot of people get comfort uh, comfortable and that's how they live their lives. I see it every single day. I see it with friends that I've had. I see it with, uh, you know, family. I see it with uh, people in my life all the time. And it just, you look at them and it's like, you can be so much better. And as you get better as a person too, they start to see how you're getting better. And then they eventually start getting better. I've seen that happen too. Uh, so it's just, it's what you're doing. I love what you're doing. I love how you've gone about it too. You didn't just hop in. You you've learned it. You've learned the craft. You perfected the craft, but you've taken the bumps in the road too. Because everybody has to fail. Life's not you know life's not easy. Plain and simple. Nope. That's the thing. And one thing I wanted to go into with you too that kind of spun off of this is one thing you've said, and I saw in one of your videos. You've said for you to become success, a successful person, it takes mastering mindset and the skills of being an entrepreneur. So let's talk yeah. about that a little bit too, because the importance of that, this is kind of brushing off of your, you know, learning business. Uh, Cause a lot of people don't know the business end of things. They just want to hop into things uh, and, and just think it's going to work. It doesn't work that way. Life doesn't. I mean, I've, I've gone to college, I got a degree, but to be honest, where I learned most about the building business is out in the field, you know, swinging Absolutely. the hammers, doing the things, uh, you know, touching things, actually learning the different trades and so on too. That's how my old man taught me. So let's yeah. get into that a little bit. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, one of the things I think what was different about me when I kind of came onto the scene with, you know, bigger pockets and a lot of these people that that were already friends of mine, but I kind of, they're like, man, we, you know, nobody really knows who you are. It's like, cause I've been building a fucking business. Like I've been busy, you know, <laughs> I'm an airline pilot. I get shit done. But you know, what I learned is, and I did a whole, I created a whole video course on Brad Lee's light speed system about being a real estate investor from the mental side. Like, who do you have to become to go from no properties to just buying one? How do you buy one property? Who needs to be on your team? How do you need to think? How do you go home and tell your wife, hey, I want to buy real estate? Then how do you go from one to five, then five to 10, 10 to 20 and all that? Because mentally, you have to keep changing. The person that you are when you buy one property is different when you got 20, different when you're in a syndication. You, you evolve. So mm -hmm. with that being said, if you want to be a $50 million business, which to many people, that's like, you know, talking bear to me, it's not, but if you want to be a $50 million business, you have to become a $50 million CEO here first. You have to imagine that you're a $50 million people. Many, many people go like, Oh, when I build the business, then I'm going to become that person. It doesn't work that way. You're never going to build it. If you are a $5 million CEO and you want to build a $50 million business, or let's just say $50,000 CEO, and you want to build a million dollar business, you have to think like a million dollar CEO. You have to act. You have to do the traits. You have to imagine that you're that person before you are. It's kind of like when we go to sleep at night, we have to lay down and we have to imagine that we're going to sleep before we actually go to sleep. We have to, we have to fake it. So why is it that to go to sleep, to actually get that result, we can do that. But to build a business, everyone tells me, oh yeah, when I become that person, then I'm going to start focusing on that. You realize you're never going to get there as a $50,000 CEO. It's just not going to happen. So it's the mindset. And I, one of my mentors taught me a very, uh, his name was Brad Sugars. He taught me a term and I, I don't know if he created it or, or got it from someone else, but 
It's called B, B E, the letter, the, the word B times multiplication do equals half. B times do equals half. So a lot of people will come to me and they'll say, like, Steve, what do I have to do? Right. As an entrepreneur, if I'm in the construction or real estate, I'll do whatever you say. I'll do all the stuff. If I have to work 25 hours and figure out how to squeeze another hour out of my day, I will do it to have your life. They're missing the first part of that equation. First, you have to become a successful person here to do successful things to have a successful outcome. If you be, if you are a not successful person, if you're a $50,000 CEO, you're going to do what $50,000 CEOs do and you're going to have a $50,000 business. But if I become a $5 million CEO here and I use the words, the vernacular, the verbiage of what a $5 million CEO says, how they act, how they handle their day, how they handle people. If I start carrying myself that way, I am going to do what a $5 million CEO does and I'm going to eventually have a $5 million business. It's the mindset. That's the first thing you have to do. We've got to believe it. You look at any professional athlete, you know, bodybuilders would, would imagine, Arnold Schwarzenegger used to imagine hoisting the trophy over his head. They would visualize it. I was just on a podcast show with the guy, uh, he was a blue angel. And, you know, these are one of 18 people in the world that are blue angels. And we would talk, we were talking about visualization and they would, they sit for hours just flying the plane in their chairs, talking through everything. They're visualizing it. Hmm. You know, if you look at, you know, um, Wooden, Lombardi, all of them, they, um, you know, Phil Jackson, they used to have them meditate and visualize before they would ever even touch the ball. So again, you've got to see it first. If you want to be a successful person, it's not the tactical side. So when I coach people, one of the things I do is I, I'm asking them like, why are you doing this? Like, who do you want to become? Because here, here's the thing. And this is my opinion, Bill. You could say I'm full of shit and wrong. Uh, and that's fine. It's your show. You can <laughs> cut me off if you want. But, um, you know, a lot of times when we are doing business like real estate investors and we ask people, why are you doing this? I want freedom. That's what everyone says. Well, that's a lie. And the reason I say it's a lie is you could sell all of your shit tomorrow, get in your car and go live in the park and you'd have all the freedom you want in your life. But what you won't get is the memories that you want. So we're not buying freedom. We're actually buying memories because when we're dead or dying or wherever we go see whatever God it is we think we have, we're not taking that freedom. We're taking memories to the grave with us. So instead of focusing on this thing that you cannot measure, how do you measure freedom? I do what I want when I want. Well, isn't that every fucking day? Like, if you're not doing what you want, you're stupid. Like, why would you live a life that you're not doing what you want to do? That's, mm -hmm. that's a choice, again, every morning. But are you creating the memories? Maybe it's dinner in Greece with your family on the Mediterranean. Maybe it's watching the Rolling Stones in Wembley Stadium. Maybe it's safari. Whatever, whatever memory you want to buy. So I would suggest to people that when you when you start your year, you start planning, plan the memories that you want. Don't plan freedom because it's not tangible. So that's why a lot of people fail is they're they're gauging the wrong, they're gauging something that's not measurable. As a pilot, we measure everything. You can't measure freedom. The, in the last I heard, I don't know how to measure that, you know, but you're measuring the memories that the freedom gives you. So the business, real estate, whatever it is that you do, and I coach businesses all over the world, the business provides you the ability to have the freedom 
to buy the memories. So my advice is buy memories. Don't think of buying freedom. Take it one step further. I love that. I mean, I, and you, I, I 1000% agree with you again on that too, is everybody's like, Oh, I want freedom. I want to have the freedom to do what I want. But that's the thing too, is technically you can do that too. You're making the choice to work the way you work, have the job you have, uh, do the things you're in your daily life that you do be in shape, not be in shape, eat what you want, not, or, you know, eat bad, eat, eat good. It's just, you have those choices over time. And I'm a big advocate on law of attraction visualization too, because it's huge. I mean, all the major players, all the major people in this world that have had a lot of success, they all believe in visualizing athletes yeah. constantly, Phil Mickelson making a putt, Tiger Woods making uh, a putt, or, or you talk about like Kobe Bryant making a basket or Michael Jordan making yeah. a basket too. They all used to visualize. They all used to stay back practice more and visualize making those shots too. So it's huge too. I'm a big advocate on everything you just said in the mindset and going into a business too. And if you don't have the right mindset going into real estate investing, you're going to fail plain and simple because I mean, it's just, if you don't have everything lined up, that process of how to do it, doing the actual studying like you did on top of getting into these uh, masterminds and meeting people, talking to people like yourself or being coached like yourself too. Going into the coaching thing, I'm a big believer in uh, getting coached by stuff. I the Four years ago, I think I what now it's been that I got with my first coaching group, which was Arte Syndicate with Ed Milet and Andy Frisilla. Yeah. And I've been a part of that for since they began it. And that was huge to me, which led me to getting coached by, you know, Brian Hess, who I'm with now. I don't know if you've met him yet, but uh, he's a great friend of mine, too. And he's helping me with some construction and things. But coaching's huge and and it can help you. It could skyrocket your business. Or actually, I should say, you know, just fast track the business. And a lot of people aren't willing to spend the money too on a coach. That's what they're afraid of is, oh, well, I don't want to pay for a coach because I don't know if it's worth it, this and that. But the money you're going to get from getting that extra experience from somebody like yourself is huge. I mean, and that's what people don't understand. It's it, it's the difference of the people that succeed and don't. It's it's yeah. really that line of delineation. It, you know, here's what's here's what I find interesting. And I, I'm going to give you an example in a second here. But, and, you know, I coach, I do masterminds, you know, I, I kind of mix with some of the same people that you mentioned earlier, um, you know, Bradley and, and all these guys um, and all them, everybody, everybody, even Andy and these, everybody gets a coach at some level, right? You get help. Mm -hmm. So when you become a professional athlete, whether it's Michael Jordan, who had five coaches, Tiger Woods, you know, Kobe, any of these people, they, everybody that, that's a professional not only are you coached, but you practice daily, right? So Michael Jordan would practice eight hours a day, five, six days a week for one game, right? For a two-hour game. He had five coaches. Was he the best athlete on the planet because he was coached? Or was it because of natural talent? I, I would have to say probably a combination. Mm -hmm. I think the coaches brought out a lot of his raw talent, and then they honed his skills. If you're afraid to invest, and, I, and I, 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 the only correction I'll say is I don't think of it as spending money because when you spend it, you don't get a return. Yeah. If you invest the money in yourself, you're getting it Agreed. back, right? So Agreed. I, I'm a big believer that if you're afraid to invest money in yourself, or let's even use the word spend, you'll never make money because you're using money as the tool to hold you up. You're it's something, look, I, I had a business, I sold it for well into seven figures 
I never once saw that money. It went digitally into my bank account. It gave me a warm, fuzzy feeling of security, but it didn't change my life. I didn't see it, but it, it taught me that money is really not important. It's the value we put on money. And we, we hear these terms and people saying bullshit all the time, but people value money and they're afraid of money. So I had a client, look, I charge $50,000 to coach clients for a whole year that they get unlimited access to me. And I do a mastermind where Brad Lee comes and iron cowboy and, and other big people. But <clears throat> I had a guy, I'll give you an example. And he's like, yeah, Steve, I, I just don't know if this is the right time. And he's telling me all the stories. I said, look, man, I, I can't want it more than you. Like, it's very simple. I said, but let me, he goes, yeah, I think I'm going to wait a little bit, uh, get some other stuff in order. Cause I'm, I'm busy. I said, okay, that's cool. I said, let me just ask you a question. If I was free knowing that I could make you the multi-million dollar business you want to be, and I charged you zero, but I said, we had to start tomorrow and I was going to make you that successful person. Would you do it? He's like, without a heart, without even thinking twice, I would do it. I said, so you're putting more value on money of investing than you are yourself of actually doing it because you want it. You're just saying money is more important. Just say, I value money more than my success. Just say it. If you say it, I'll let you go. And he was like, wow, I never thought of it that way. I'm like, we just, we're afraid. We're taught to be afraid of money. We're taught to hoard it. We're not taught to use it as a tool. Money, it's like a shovel. Money is an inanimate object. It's the emotional tie we put on it. And if I said, look, if you if you invest $50,000 with me and I take your business from a $50,000 business to a multi-million dollar business that's running on systems procedures without you, and I'm giving you the life back to build the memories, is it worth it? Oh, absolutely. Well, then what's the question? The question is, is are you committed to do it? Are you willing to put in the time and commitment? Because mm. again, we the reason you charge people money is if there's no money, there's no perceived value because that's what makes them, you know, if I gave it free, look, my family members, no one's ever taken me up on me helping them, but yet I help people build multi-million dollar businesses. It's the, it's the, it's the value of what you bring and where you value your time at. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. I'm sure. Look, RTA syndicate, I know is not cheap, right? Mm -hmm. But when you're there, you're focused. Mm -hmm. Number one, they're holding you accountable. You got guys that are mega successful in the group. I know many people in that group, they're getting shit done. They're no shit people. And you're like, I got to step up my game. Like I got to yeah. like, I, I got to be on my shit when I'm with these guys. That's, that's the level you're doing. You're operating at a higher level. Someone in the pros, who's going to tell Michael Jordan. Yeah. I'm not going to practice this week, Mike. I think I'm good. I think I'm just going to show up to the game. You, you practice Michael Jordan. I don't think I need to. You see Michael Jordan practicing eight hours a day. You got to be like, fuck, I got to get out there, man. Like this guy, like, cause that's what he expects. So when you get people that are, are investing in themselves, you and I, other people, we operate at a different frequency. Mm. It's like, I don't have time for people to tell me their problems. I don't, I don't have time for that. I don't even want to be around those people because that brings us down. You know, you always, <clears throat> you always hear that you're the product of the five people you're around. We know that the environment, look, it, it's so true. I want to be with people like Brad Lee and people that talk about buying a jet and where are they going? That's the conversations I want to be in. I don't want to be with people going like, oh man, I, you know, I don't know how I'm going to pay my rent this month and this and that. I am a big believer in compartmentalizing those people. I can explain my thoughts if you want, but I don't say you disassociate, but you put them in a box of when you want to associate with them. That That's my, how I run my life. And I'm able to be in a lot of different circles of people 
because I don't talk about being a pilot and flying a Boeing 777 when I'm at the gym working out. They don't care. People that people flying don't care about my workouts. So I've learned to compartmentalize those people, but I also put a very high priority and segment my time on the people that I want to emulate and be around and be like. And you're going to invest either time, money, or both to be around that circle, just like you do, just like I do. And that that's my take on coaching. And look, you don't, if you want to become a black belt, you don't train with a bunch of white belts, just how it is. Yeah. I want to be a black belt in business. I'm hanging out with the fucking kick-ass guys that are just knocking it dead, talking about eight, nine-figure businesses. So if I have a seven-figure business, I'm like, God damn, like I gotta, I gotta step up my game, man. And the thing is, is when you look at look, you look at Andy and, and, and Ed, I mean, two amazing guys, right? They don't get a they don't get a 25th hour in the day. They they don't get anything different. They still have to eat, they still have to sleep. So what is it they do differently? They think differently. That's the only thing. They look at problems, not as problems, but as ways to overcome towards solutions. They just look at things from a different lens. They The sun still comes up on them. The sun still sets on them, just like you and I, same day. It's just how we handle things. Mm. Yeah, 100%. I'll, I'll, I'll get off my soapbox now. <laughs> no, no, you're good, man. I love it. I love it. And I wish I could. we can go. I mean, we can probably go on for... <laughs> two, three hours with all this and it's awesome. It's, it's, I, it's, you are a hundred percent right. It's just, you know, you, you have to surround yourself with people that are better doing better than you doing bigger things than you and so on too. I mean, I've even done it on social media where that's all my social media feed is. It's just, it, you know, you start scrolling Instagram, you see that and you're like, okay, there's a kick in the ass I needed. What the hell am I doing on Instagram? I got to get back after it again, you know, or exactly. it's like, I need to post more content or I need to do this. So then it's, it makes you hard on yourself to get to better and get to that next level that you're supposed to be. And that's why, you know, having somebody like you or on the show and people that are thinking about, they're on the edge of getting into real estate. And there's a lot of them need to hire somebody like yourself that has that experience has been kicked in the nuts multiple times you know because you can fast track their fast track that experience too and it's worth every penny and one thing i want to get into too while we're wrapping this up before i get into some personal questions with you too is a lot of people are hesitant because you read the headlines i always say don't don't just you got to read past the headlines because the headlines are bullshit uh, and there's a lot of them these days and you go on YouTube and it's all, you know, the uh, economy's crashing. Everything's going to go to hell. This and that. That's all everybody's posting videos on for clicks. So on too. where do you see real estate today? What where should people go if they are on the edge about investing in real real estate, you know, with the economy and the news and all that saying everything's a little bit shakier, uh, higher interest rates you know, what are you buying? Where, what are you, what's, are you selling? Where should people go that are thinking about it? Well, here, here's my, my take on it. Maybe I'm a little bit old school. The same people that are telling me that real estate is crashing were the same people that were getting headlines three months ago, telling me this is the best time in history to buy. Um, and three months before that, telling you that real estate was never going to go down. Yeah. And three months for that, they were telling you that short-term rentals and, you know, they've got all these, you know, overnight success, real estate investors, you know, and all. So these are the same people, right? Mm -hmm. and, and people have such a short memory span oh, yeah. of what they were just being told by the same person. But that doesn't get headlines now. So it's 
it's not educating. It's it's romanticizing the 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 clicks, the social media. So if you ask me, like if somebody was brand new and they said, Steve, what should I do? I would say first thing you got to do is you got to slow down. You've got to figure, and people don't want to hear that. People think like, oh, I need to jump in action. I need to get a deal. Well, jump, like you said, jumping into the deep end, do you want to jump in with a raft or do you want to jump in with rocks tied around your ankles? Because when you jump, it's over. Once you buy that deal, it's over. Done deal. You're either going to sink because of your lack of knowledge and experience or you're going to float because of your experience, knowledge, and you've taken the time. So my opinion is before you do anything, educate yourself. Take the time to slow down so that you can speed up. Know exactly what your goal is. A goal has a date. It has a time. It has a tangible way to measure it. For example, if you said, in 20 years, I want to own 20 properties. Give me $20,000 a month in cash flow. Um, with 20, with, in 20 years, 20,000 property, 20,000 a month with 20 properties, 20, 20, 20. Now I have a goal. It's tangible. I can measure it and I know where I'm going. How does any of this affect my goal? So if you come to me and say, hey, Steve, I got a deal. What do you think? My first question, and this is the same I do for all coaching clients. Explain to me, how does this get you to the goal? If you can't explain it or you don't know, then fucking go back, figure it out, and come back to me. Or we change the goal or change the strategy. So if you have a property that's giving you $300 a month in cash flow, but the goal is $1,000 a month in cash flow, we either need to change the strategy or we need to change the goal. Maybe you need 40 houses now because 20 is not realistic. Maybe we need to change markets to a market that will give you 1,000. Maybe we've got to look at some, some extra things, but we do it based on the goal. So if you're brand new in real estate, slow down. Look, real estate has been here for thousands of years. That house you're going to buy has probably been there for 40 years, right? I have many houses that I passed on because I thought they were bad deals 20 years ago when I was first learning real estate and I thought I was a pro. I passed on those deals because other people were like, that's not a good deal. That's not going to make you money. 20 years from now, I look at that same deal and it kills me that I have to drive by this house every day and it is one of the best deals I would have owned, but I said no because of my inexperience, because I didn't look at the bigger picture of what the goal was. I think, look, I grew up in Los Angeles. I don't live there now, but I grew up there. If I would have bought 10 properties when I was in my 20s, you and I would probably not be talking right now because <laughs> I'd have a lot more wealth and I'd be not talking to anyone. But think about it. It's, it's, it's 30 years today from the future. So Buying a deal and looking at the short run is stupid. Like that's gambling. That's not investing. Investing, the true definition of investing is investing over time. Use time. Appreciation. Look, 2008 to most people is a blip on the radar. Some people don't even realize why it was such a big deal. I owned properties in 2008. I was going through that shit show. And you thought that the world was going to end and the whole system was going to collapse. Now it's a little blip on a chart. So it's, it's, we have short memory spans, but history does repeat itself. You look at people that are buying stuff now stupidly because their ego and pride, they are, will repeat itself. There will be many, many people in the next 12 to 18 months that lose everything that they own. I guarantee it. The, the, the highway of entrepreneurship and investors is littered with the souls of people that don't know what they're doing because mm -hmm. they're lazy and they're greedy. So 
slow down, think about the plan before you get it on the highway. It's kind of like getting in the air and building the plane while you're flying it. Build the plane on the ground. Let's build the plane. Let's create the flight plan. Let's create the end result. And then we'll get in the air. It's not going anywhere. So that, that would be my advice. Yeah. Going back to what you said, they're lazy and they're greedy. It is true because you, history does repeat itself. People fall for the same mistakes they fell for before. And it's a repetitive cycle and you constantly see it too. It's no different. I look at like the car market right now. Yep. You go and buy a car right now. It's ridiculous price. It's through the roof. People are still buying them. I mean, you buy, I think a buddy of mine said he, he looked at a Toyota Tacoma and they were they were like $1,200 a month on a payment. I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah. You know, <laughs> and he's four wheels and an engine. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I was like, for a damn Toyota Tacoma. And he's like, yeah, it's crazy. I was like, do not buy. I go buy out your lease. Be smart. You had that lease from four years or two years ago, three years ago. I go just buy out that thing and pay that down because that is not smart to do is buy, you know, release another car at such a high price too. And he's thinking, you know, he can just buy out his lease and pay that thing off and trade it in later on or whatever. But that's, that's a blip on what's going on as far as everything in this market and so on too. There's a lot of stuff that's so inflated. People are still buying it. People are, you know, the FOMO of missing out on a property or whatever, like you just said, is so high still that there's a lot of mistakes being made and there's going to be a lot of people getting hurt in some kind of way. And, yeah. And it's fear, right? Fear drives the market, fear of loss, fear of missing out, right? FOMO, mm -hmm. right? So when, when I ask people what, like this, this deal doesn't pencil, like you tell me what the goal is, this clearly doesn't do it, but it could go up. Okay. But it could go down. Yeah. Real estate goes in about a seven year cycle. I think because they infuse so much capital into the market, it got extended. But if you look at most real estate market cycles, they go up, they go down, they go sideways. And historically it's about seven years plus or minus a couple of years. It doesn't change. It's like, it's like if we're in summertime, right. And all of a sudden we're in shorts and hanging out and poolside. Are we shocked when January comes and it's cold and snowing? No, every fucking January it's cold and it's snowing. Why are people shocked when prices go down in real estate? They go up, they go sideways, and they go down. That's what it does. So to be shocked that winter's coming, they're like, oh, man, I didn't see that one coming. Really? Well, then you didn't look at history because history repeats itself. Mm -hmm. Everything is cyclical. That's how it works. It cleanses out the stupid people. It's going to cleanse out the stupid people. However, if you're taking this time and you're educating yourself and you're getting your mind right and you're doing what successful people do, when it crashes. There will be more millionaires made post-crash than ever before. In 2009 and 2010, I knew more, and it didn't register with me. All these guys were buying up everything. And I was like, man, that seems weird. Like, why are you guys buying? It's crashing. They're like, dude, this stuff's on sale. It's like, that's that's true. I didn't think about it that way. Multi-millionaires. I had a lot of friends that are set. They bought 40, 50, 60 properties on pennies on the dollar. And what happened? Prices went up. And then they cashed out and sold. So mm -hmm. that's what's going to happen again. It happens all the time, but it's the same four walls and a roof. It's that same house that's cycled over and over and over again. They had the wrong business model. So again, I go back to the initial thing. It's all about having the right business model inside the four walls and the roof. And that means knowing what your business model is. Love it. Yeah. Steve, this has been awesome, man. And like I said, I can go on for another, I can go on all day if we probably could here, but, uh, 
uh, due to some time here. I want to get into personal questions because I always do yeah. these. And these are some of my favorite questions here on my show. This this one right here, I get a different answer every time and I love it. So what about you personally? What lessons have you learned throughout your journey that we should all apply to our own business or lives that can help us grow? Yeah, I would say for me, it was a matter of listening to other people initially and not taking risk and not and being afraid to fail. Um, you know, I would listen to other that negative talk of other people and I let that get in my head. And mm. I know other people that thought bigger and they did bigger actions and they yeah, they failed bigger, but they also went bigger and now they some of them have, have fallen off by the wayside because their why was not strong enough. But if your why is strong enough, don't be afraid to go big and don't be afraid to fail big. Yeah, that's a that's a huge one right there too. Because I mean, we all deal with it. We all dealt with that in the in the back of our head that people are going to being judged and so on too. And it's just you you got to go bigger. You got you got to not let that affect you too. And you get to a point too where you just don't give a shit anymore. To be honest, and you just push forward, and that's obviously where you've gone. I've gone. A lot of people still struggle with that, unfortunately. Um, it's just the fear factor, and then what people think factor, I should say, too. It's always because they're so worried about how am I what are the optics? How am I gonna look? And and it's funny, I, I've got some friends in real estate, and I was I was driving around, I was in Maui, um, driving around the uh, real estate investor friend of mine out there, and uh we were talking and, and we were talking about how like you know, I didn't want to do uh, the, the person I was talking to was like, I don't, I didn't want to do private money because I was afraid, you know, I didn't know what I was doing and I was afraid I was going to, you know, people would know. And I'm like, so you're assuming that you're a bigger deal than you are. Nobody even knows who you are in the grand. You may have a circle, but you know what though? Nobody knows and nobody cares. Like nobody gives a shit. Hmm. Do what you need to do. That's best for you and follow through and be the person that you want to be. That's all you got to do. Nobody cares. If they don't like you, they will not follow you. And if you're not pissing people off, you're not big enough. Love it, brother. Love it. Uh, next question. What I always ask everybody is uh, everybody asks about your past. Let's let's hear about your future. Where will we see Steve in 10, 15, 20 years from now? Who who will you be? You know, it's it's that's a good question. I I I, I still am a pilot. I love what I do. And many people are like, why do you fly if quote unquote you did all this success? I fly a $250 million Boeing 777 around the world. It's kind of, I do it three times a month. I do it because I like to do it. Don't get me wrong. I get a very good paycheck for it, but I also know it's a paycheck. And so I do what I want to do, not because I have to do things. In this phase of my life, I'm going to be 50 next in two months. I can't believe it. <laughs> but I think that we go sure through enough. phases in our lives. And I think those phases are called chapters. Our high school years are a chapter, our 20s, our 30s. Pretty soon for me, it'll be my 40s. We do things, right? Chapters begin, chapters end. I've started businesses. I've had great successes. I've had great failures. Chapters end, like I sold my business. That chapter ended. I did some work with venture capital. That chapter ended. Did some stuff with bigger pockets. That So we have chapters, right? We all have chapters of things that we do. I think that we get to a point of so many chapters that we've, I've checked a lot of boxes, right? I've been to every continent except Antarctica. I've been to almost every city in the world. What I would like to do in the next chapter of my life is give back as much as I can. I think we get to a point of abundance and go, okay, I already got all this shit in my head. Like, how can I help? And so the more people that I can help, 
being on bigger stages, right? You know, doing stuff with, with people like Andy Frisella or Brad Lee or Iron Cowboy, people that I that I look up to and go, okay, I want to, I want to get in that circle. Mm. I want to help more people at a massive level. And and that that is where you'll see me. You'll see me elevating in different arenas on different stages, not just in real estate, but in business, in in mindset of becoming the people, because I think I have a certain take on life that's different than most people. I've I've had the lowest of lows, highest of highs of a different variety. Everybody has had them. Mine is very unique because I bring everybody has something unique about them. This is my uniqueness. And the better communicator I am at providing this for you and for your listeners and other people. You know, I've been on stages with 7,000 people speaking to a big roofing convention. I mean, that, that's my thing is the more people I can help, the better off I feel and the better off I think other people are. So that's where you're going to see me more as an influencer, I believe. I believe it too, man. You've been doing pretty damn good as of far. And I have no doubt that you're going to have, you're going to be on a stage of tens of thousands. So, I mean, keep doing what you're doing, man. You're, you're doing an awesome job at it and then give you a lot of credit. Thank you. So, uh, especially being a full-time pilot too, and investor and owner of businesses too, keep crushing it, brother. Love what you're Thank doing. You. Um, last question, what this show's all about. What exactly do people need to look for when investing in real estate and why should they choose Steve Rosenberg as their coach, mentor of choice? Yeah, so what they need to look for in real estate is they need to make sure the numbers make sense. Very simple. Real estate is math. Business is math. The numbers should always dictate the deal, not an opinion, not a, a thought, not a fear. It's the numbers. Always, always, always go with the numbers and the data and then back it up with how that aligns with your goals and your strategies. For me, if you ask people, why should I work? Why should, well, why should I work with someone? Cause I want to, I, I have 24 hours in a day. I want to be very careful who I, who I help if they want to get better. If they sit there and say, you know what? I'm not getting what I need out of my life. I need someone to kick me in the ass. I need someone to hold me accountable. I need someone to make me that pit of stomach feeling to say, I'm not sure. When I coach people, one of the first things I tell people is I'm not here to be your friend. I'm here to make you successful and I'm here to make you do successful things. And there's a difference. And so you may not like what I have to say. You may not like my way I do it, but my goal is to turn you into a new person. You are, we all have our level of buoyancy, right? Ed Milet talks about our thermostat. We have a level of comfort. We have a weight that we like to be at. We have an income we like to be. We have a freedom that we, we all have that. My goal is to turn that up a little bit more because whatever got everybody here in life to where you are right now, all of us today, it's not going to get you to where you want to go if you don't do something different. If you don't talk to different people, if you don't read certain books, if you don't think a certain way, your life will not change. It will get worse. It will not get better on its own. So my goal is to make you think differently, to realize you can do it. We just have to focus on what that goal is and create a strategy and a path and someone like me to make sure that you're getting up working out, doing what you got to do to be that person. Cause it's not just business. You have to mentally be a successful person through health, wealth, and relationships. All three of those, like a three-legged stool, you need somebody doing it. Just like Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, Kobe Bryant, they all need that person. No one is immune from that. I've had a lot of real estate investors on this show, man. You, you, my <laughs> friend, are you, you are one of a kind. You are amazing. So I give you a lot of credit. It's just, it, this was awesome. I do appreciate your time, Steve. I'm glad we got linked up. It's, 
This was uh, great. A lot of information. Like I said, we can go on for hours because there's a lot more in that head of yours. I know that you can yeah, help people there is. with. So where they can find you so pe- you can help some people. Uh, where can people find you? Sure. Uh, easiest way is my website, steverosenberg.com, R-O-Z-E-N-B-E-R-G. Uh, standard social media, you, you, you know, Instagram, Facebook. If you want to see where I fly to and travel all over the world, I post videos, all that kind of stuff. Um, again, you, if you Google me, you will find me, but I'm pretty available. If you send me a private message, it is me that answers. I actually do answer all of them personally. Um, because I I think it's respectful. If someone asks me a question, I answer. And so, um, any social media, but my website, YouTube, all that stuff and reach out. If you have a question, I don't need to coach you to answer a question. If you're like, Hey, what did you mean? Or what are your thoughts? I'm very, very approachable because I, I think it's a matter of being selfless and giving back. And if it means helping somebody by answering a question, I, I'm ne- I never, I'm not the kind of guy that's like, oh, I'm too busy. I don't talk to you. If you don't, I don't do that. If you have a question, if you got something that's bugging you, you need some unblockage, just reach out to me. I'm happy to answer. Love it, brother. Yeah. I appreciate you today. I appreciate your time, man. This was, this was awesome. A uh, lot of great information, like I just said. And uh, yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Hopefully I added some value to, to you and the guests. Absolutely. The listeners. Definitely, definitely added value for sure. So everybody that's listening, you all know the routine. Please like, share, comment, uh, subscribe, and five-star reviews only allowed because that's what this show deserves. And I will see you all on the next episode.